to send the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Kick was down the middle and good! 49ers win it! Two years in a row, we're in the number one seed and we lose home playoff games. And obviously, I didn't do enough to win a football game. We only scored 10 points offensively. I, I put that all on myself. We got to be better than that. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. This show isn't about me. Okay, we talk about our Wisconsin teams. This isn't the Grant Bills show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I will say, I want to give myself a little credit this week. Just a bit. Because I, I feel like I've been very calm and cool and collected this week. And if we're being honest here, sometimes in this company, on our network that we have, I get painted as the the psycho one, as the zany guy. Listen to Bill and Ben Kenny the other day brought up one of my takes. This is a couple weeks ago. And Bill's like, oh, that grand. He's, he's got some interesting sights. Like I belong in a loony bin. I got Ebo in the morning in Madison saying, oh, anytime Grant raises his voice slightly, he's triggered because millennials get triggered. Sorry, I can't get upset about things without being triggered. Sorry. Dan Casper in Eau Claire, stoic as they come. Calm, cool. So he's slow hand Luke up there. There's nothing faces that, man. Dave here in lacrosse, he's he's a professional. He's done this job for a long time, covered lots of teams. It doesn't bother Dave. I, I'm, I'm the nutcase on our network. That's how I'm framed. It's fake news, by the way. I'm not the nutcase. Sorry, I I care. Sorry, I'm passionate. But this week, even after a Packers playoff loss, I feel like I've been very, it's been very mellow this week. Yeah, we maybe raised our voice a little bit on Monday. I mean, for God's sake, Aaron Rodgers lost to Jimmy G at home. We're getting a little upset about that. Not to say that we're triggered. Sorry, I didn't want to see my team lose on Saturday. Other than maybe a little bit on Monday, I I feel like I've been really calm, cool, and collected this week. And I got to pat myself on the back. Because that's not normally my role along the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network. My name is Grant Bills. This is Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. I put a poll up on Twitter, and I think we might reference this throughout the show. It's not maybe the the central topic. We're not going to talk about it directly for two hours. But this idea, this discussion is kind of, I think, woven through a lot of the points that I want to hit tonight. And maybe, you know, we'll take texts and calls. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. I tweeted this poll question 40 minutes ago. And if you'd like to participate... Man, I would appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I tweeted, I hate questions like this, but I'm curious. I do despise questions like this, but every once in a while, it need to be asked. I ask, how over Saturday's loss are you relative to previous Packers losses? So with your anger and with your acceptance, you know, where where, where are you? How, How are you doing five days later? And the options are still distraught, mildly peeved and good riddance not my problem anymore results are interesting majority is mildly peeved and then we're kind of split at about 25 percent between good riddance and still distraught so a lot of people care slightly and then the other half is split between people who don't care at all and people who care way too much so vote on that this idea of the level of anger we have towards saturday i think is going to kind of weave throughout the rest of the show you can find me on twitter there at wisco grant vote on that poll you can text and call the show 608-796-2558. Vikings and the Bears made hires. They are interesting. I want to talk about them. That's coming up in the second half of the show after 5 o'clock. Other than that, it's a lot of Packers. I want to start with the Packers now that we're five days removed from, according to my draft board yesterday, the third worst playoff loss of the Aaron Rodgers era. There are 10 of them. Uh, should I should I pull up my draft board, by the way? I can share it with you. Let me... Oh, God, where did I save this? I was really organized yesterday, but mentally I've moved on. Okay, here it is. So my draft board went as such. I did a draft yesterday with Nate Myhock of the worst Aaron Rodgers era Packers playoff losses. My board went 2014 Seattle, 2020 Tampa Bay, 2021 San Francisco, 2012 San Francisco, 2015 Arizona, 2019 San Fran, 2016 Atlanta, 2009 Arizona, 2011 New York, and 2013 San Fran. That was my draft board. So according to my draft board, which I put hours of prep into, obviously, we are just days removed, five days removed from the third worst loss of the Aaron Rodgers era in the playoffs. It's not a short list, right? It's a deep pool. It's a very talented draft. A lot of horrendous games. And we're five days removed from 
according to me, the third worst playoff loss of that era. I'm handling this loss a little bit differently than I've handled playoff losses in the past, like 2014 or 2020, the only two games that were above Saturday on my big board. To explain exactly how I feel and to kind of illustrate this, I want to tell you about two things that happened to me last night. These are two great examples of how I'm dealing with this game. The first thing, number one, right after the show, right at 6 o'clock, I ran over to the lacrosse center, which is newly renovated, by the way. Beautiful. It was the lacrosse loggers winter baseball barbecue. Lacrosse loggers, Northwoods League team, right? Just like the Express or the Mallards or the Moondogs or whatever. Obviously, we all know the Northwoods League. It's a great event. They do it every January. Basically, it's just a celebration of baseball and lacrosse. You hear from the college coaches. You hear from local baseball. Like, they always have the Lacrosse Baseball Hall of Fame, some new inductees. Rick Boyer was honored and celebrated last night, which was really cool. And then they always have a keynote speaker at the end. Two years ago, it was Andy Haynes. This year, it was Craig Council and Damian Miller. Shout out West Salem, right? And that was really interesting, listening to those guys answer questions and talk about their time in Arizona winning a World Series, but also talking about their playing days even later in their career when they were in Milwaukee, especially Craig Council. And now he spoke a little bit on the state of baseball and all these things. So it was just an interesting conversation to listen about. And it's a great event every January. And I'm sitting in the crowd just daydreaming about opening day. Hearing Uke on the radio for the first time, the first time that microphone cracks in March or in April, whenever opening day is, end of March, early April, when I'm somewhere in there, assuming the lockout doesn't push it back, fingers crossed. I'm dreaming about that day in my head. I'm not really thinking about Saturday. I'm not really thinking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'm thinking about Brewers baseball. I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm, I'm letting my mind race a little bit, thinking, hey, can I, can I get away with a four-day weekend to go to Arizona and take in some games and visit my grandma and maybe do some hiking? Yeah, that sounds nice. I'm... I'm thinking elsewhere. I'm thinking about other things. And that became clear last night. That was thing number one that happened to me. Thing number two, after the loggers event, it didn't feel so hot. I don't know what I did. If I ate some weird food, I had a little, a little stomach bug earlier this week. I'm trying to get back to normal. I felt a little sick. So I went home, laid down, and I threw on Seinfeld, which I've seen a bunch of times. But now that it's on Netflix, I'm a little bit more quick to just throw it on. Whereas normally if it was on cable, great, I'll, I'll have Seinfeld on. But I've seen it so many times already. So the episode is on, and spoiler alert, if you're watching Seinfeld, and you don't want me to spoil this for you, this is, this is like one of the few things in Seinfeld I think I can spoil. Um, it's the episode where George kills Susan by buying cheap envelopes. I think it's called The Invitation. Now we're expecting about 200 guests. And she dies because she's licking the toxic glue. And I forgot about this scene at the very end of the episode where George calls Marissa Tomei who he loves, and he's been thinking about, obviously. This is the audio from the end of the episode. This is the phone call. Uh, yes, I'd like to speak with Marissa Tomei, please. <laughs> Marissa, hi. It's, uh, it's George Costanza. I- I'm the short, funny, quirky, bald man you met a little while ago. <laughs> yeah, I-, I was just calling because uh, I wanted you to know that uh, I'm not engaged anymore. Well, uh, she died. Toxic glue from the wedding invitations. <laughs> well, we were expecting about 200 people. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I've got the funeral tomorrow, but um, my weekend is pretty wide open. And, uh, you know, I was wondering. Hello? Hello? So, this scene is really funny because George didn't want to get married. He's relieved that his fiance died. It's a little black humor, right? So this jumped out to me. Okay, why, why am I telling you about this? Why am I telling you about a loggers event and then a scene from a Seinfeld episode? Here's the rub. I'm over this Packers loss. I'm 100% over this loss. I'm sleeping like a baby on melatonin. This game does not bother me at all. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not stressing over it. This is impacting my life 0%. I'm past yelling about them losing in the playoffs. There is zero stress on my mind or my body from Saturday. I am not bothered. I have found inner peace. Just like George, after Susan bites the dust because she's licking cheap envelopes that George wanted to buy. He, he's going to the funeral the next day and he's already calling Marissa Tomei like, yeah, I know my wife just died, but I'm, I'm over it, whatever. This is not really sticking with me, right? I feel like George. It's like, yeah, I guess the Packers lost on Saturday, but you know what? What are we doing this weekend? I don't, I don't care. It's, it's not bothering me, right? I'm over it. I'm past it. I'm thinking about baseball because of this loggers event I've had. I'm feeling like George, who's dialing up Marissa Tomei in the final scene of a huge episode. A couple of weeks ago, right before the playoff run, quote unquote, I don't know who had a bigger playoff run in 2020, 
2021, by the way, was it, uh, or 2021, 2022. This is the Packers and the Brewers. Both ended before they started. Claws up. Right, right before the Packers playoff run, air quotes, started, we have Bart Winkler on uh, from the fan. He joins the show from time to time just to BS. Uh, and he said a quote that I wrote down. This was weeks ago. Um, and it stuck with me. He said, if the Packers can't get this done, it's not on me. I'm not worrying for their failures anymore. They have everything in front of them. I'm not taking that on. And I wrote that down when he said it. It's in the, the notes app in my phone. Because when he said that, I was like, you know what? Damn right. We've been doing this. We've been carrying this weight on our shoulders for 10 years now, more than 10 years since they won the Super Bowl. Do it or don't, okay? If you guys can't figure it out at home against a gimpy quarterback that's not that good, against a team that barely made it into the playoffs, that's not on me, okay? And yesterday, Nate Myhock was on the show. We drafted all of these playoff losses as which one was worst, Right, so we're debating 2014 is obviously the worst, but then you can argue, is it the Bucks game, the Niners game, the NFC Championship games versus the division round games, the wildcard games? It's all just, it's a huge mess. And we looked back through the last decade and we were talking about these losses and what they mean and the meaning they've kind of taken on now. And, and when I talked to Nate yesterday, I compared all these losses to looking back through the albums of your favorite artist, right? Eras and the way that music changes over time. And our guest, Nate, I know he's a diehard Mac Miller fan. Mac is his absolute favorite. So today I was looking at Mac Miller albums. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this kind of lines up. So Mac busts onto the scene. He had a mixtape called Kids. He had Blue Slide Park. It's, it's backpack rap. Like, it's high school. Like, there's songs. He's got Senior Skip Day, Nike's on my feet, Kool-Aid in first. I actually have Spotify open. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull one of these up. Like, this is, and I'm going to pull the lyrics up just because these are all explicit versions, and I don't want to, I'm not, I mean, that's, 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 no, nah, I'm not getting in trouble for that. So, this is, you know, lighthearted. I'm just, uh, what hate just lighthearted backpack rap. You know, simple. Awesome. But it's simple. Hey, it's lighthearted. It's bubblegum backpack rap. All right, that's one era. And then we start moving along. You go three years down the road, and I'm looking now on Spotify to all his albums. All right, 2013. This is a great example. He has this album called Watching Movies with the Sound Off. The, he's, he's sitting in the picture on the, on the cover without a shirt on at a dining table. It's very unsettling. It's very odd. It's an awesome album. And Action Bronson's on a song, and Action Bronson is just awesome. This album's much more introspective, personal. He's very vulnerable. Um, let me see if I can find. Let's see here. These aren't explicit. Yeah. It's a little different. All right. So it's a different era. It's got the divine feminine. Now there's little shades of R&B and jazz and funk. I actually have a bumper from that song. We got a, uh, um, not what's the use. What's it called? Oh, yeah. It's just called Dang. This one. Yeah. Bouncy. All right. So an, an era. We're changing again, right? I think the best era of Mac Miller was his last two albums. Swimming was awesome. Right? The music is kind of upbeat and kind of warm. He's talking about like dark topics, mental health mixed in there, addiction, and then Circles was released two years ago now in 2020. Almost two years ago to the day, it was January 2020 when it came out. That was a great album. It had a different sound yet. So with all of these albums, and you can talk about this with lots of different artists, right? Different different sounds kind of adapting through the years. You look through all these Packers playoff eras, you could break them down without thinking about it too hard. You have 2009 through 2012, 2013-ish. Those teams, I think of Jennings, Driver, Jordy, James Jones, and an absolute garbage defense, minus 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. That defense got hot, right? And then you have the era of, I, I like to think 2013 through 2015. The offense faded a little bit, but the defense is on the come up. They had a great shot in 2014. You throw a collarbone injury into that era as well. That's one era. Another era, 2015 to 2018, the offense got even worse. The defense and Mike McCarthy completely broke down and bottomed out, except for 2016. 2016 was like the one song on a terrible album. Like, well, what's the one vinyl you own only because there's one song on there? That would be the 2015 to 2018 era. It sucks, but there's one song on there that's so good that it makes you buy the album and you just listen to that track. And now we're in the, the Matt LaFleur era when things became a lot better. It's like when Joe Walsh got clean in the early 90s and sounded way better. You're coming out of just this this really muddy, crappy sound for a few years. And it's like, oh, he's off drugs. Look at how great this is. And Aaron Rodgers looks refreshed and revitalized. Now, none of these areas had Super Bowls. Just playoff losses littered throughout. 
to wrap this all up and to make my point, because I think we've talked about Mac Miller and Seinfeld. We get a Joe Walsh mention. To wrap this all up, look, what, what, what we got 10 of these playoff losses in the Aaron Rodgers era. I'm done. If he comes back next year and they lose in the playoffs, I'm going to sleep like a, I'm going to sleep like a baby. Cause I'm not carrying this weight around anymore. I'm over it. And I posted the Twitter poll at Wisco Grant. How over this loss are you? Cause I think a lot of us are like, oh, whatever. It's just another one. I got mad last year. I got mad the year before. I got mad in 2015. I got mad in 2014. I'm not, I'm not doing this again. It's whatever. If they want to ever figure it out and have a nice playoff run and at least get into a Super Bowl, that's great. And I'll be there for the ride. But next year, if they come back and they're a good seed again, they have games at home, I'm not carrying this around with me. It's not It's not on me. I'm not carrying this on my shoulders anymore, and I think a lot of Packers fans are in the same spot. I'm like George calling Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I know I got my fiance's funeral tomorrow, but my weekend is free, and I'm using my weekend to think about the Brewers, think about other things. I'm not, I'm not depressing myself further over this loss. Let's take a break. I actually want to talk about Brian Gutekunst. Because I think he's sitting fat and happy. Obviously, his team didn't win the Super Bowl, even make the Super Bowl, or even beat Jimmy G, which is actually pretty pathetic. But can't blame Brian Gutekunst, and he's actually in a halfway decent spot going into this offseason. We'll talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills happy friday this week has been a trip uh we were burying the packers on monday and now i i feel like i'm so over talking about that game like i was listening to some shows this morning they were talking about blue special teams no it was aaron Rodgers. no it was the defense and i'm sitting there going you know what i don't even care anymore you think what you want to think i'm so over that game i'm past that game i don't care Seen 10 playoff losses now in the Aaron Rodgers era. They all suck. There's no loss in the last 10 years where you look at it and you're like, eh, what are you going to do? Like, they're, all, they're all painful. And I'm not making this one more painful than it needs to be. I'm over it. I have a poll question, which I almost never do. Um, you can find it on Twitter. Follow me at Wisco Grant. You can vote on it. How over this game are you? I'm thinking about Brewers offense next year already. That's where I am. I get a text from Rain Man Mike who says, Amen, brother. Football in Wisconsin is over. Let's move on. Baseball's only a few weeks away. Why are we sulking? Hey, no sulking here, Rain Man Mike. No, oh, no, no, sir. Looking forward to a good weekend. I'm going to have some time to ice fish tomorrow. There's a couple of dope bands playing at Leon Leona's just outside Lacrosse. I'm definitely getting $10 cover charge. I'd pay $50. i am going to go have a beer and listen to some live music tonight. I no sulking here. My, my weekend is about to take off. And I don't have a Packer game to stress about, so no, no sulking for me. You won't get sulking for me. A couple of texts here. One from Tom. This is Grant. I've already accepted the Green Bay Packers loss by halftime of Saturday's game. <laughs> Good for you. He says, I've already accepted that Rodgers will be gone, and I've accepted the coming years of mediocrity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, Tom. Why'd that have to take a dark turn at the end? We can accept all those other things without without expecting our team to be mediocre. Now, if you're saying years by one or two or three years, well, maybe. But I think there's this fear that we're going to suck for 30 years. And Mike texted in as well, um, who said, now I can't find Mike's text. I'm sorry, Mike. He says, I agree with you. I'm over this one quicker than any others. My concern is the future. Uh, I had to live through the 80s when we sucked. Yeah, I think a lot of Packers fans have this, this fear. And it's not the fault of Packers fans that we think this way. I think younger Packers fans are accused of being spoiled, and I I could see why, because we've never really been bad. In my life, I was born in 98. I've never known anything but a winning Packers team outside of a few seasons. But then you speak with Packers fans who are older, so Packers fans that lived through the 70s and the 80s and this era, well, your experience is really unbalanced as well. You're really spoiled in the last 30 years of great play, but you're also, like, you are familiar with the period before being good, So if the Packers are bad, it means they're bad for 20 years. And if the Packers are good, it means they're good for 30 years. And that's just not how football works. It's such an outlier. So if you think we're going back to the 70s and 80s, let me me try to put you at ease just a little bit here. I'm not worried about this loss. I'm not worried about this offseason. And I know who else isn't freaking out over that loss or this offseason. UWL man, BG, Brian Gudikins, he doesn't care. 
Well, I mean, he does because the goal was to win the Super Bowl and he wanted his team to win a Super Bowl. And they came up a bit short, a, a, a bit, as in losing to Jack. I can't believe they lost to Jimmy G. Oh, my God. Now, the next case scenario would be at least to make the Super Bowl. I think there's value in that. I think just getting to the Super Bowl and losing to a good Kansas City team, I think there's value in that. I think Rodgers' legacy gets cachet from that. I think the Packers do, but I, I've said that on Ebo's show once this summer, and I'm still being crucified for it, so sorry for that opinion. Now that those options are off the table, winning the Super Bowl or making the Super Bowl, let's think about what's next, okay? Let's think about our situation, Packers fans. Let's, let's chop it up here. Our team is $40 million over the cap. Our quarterback is aging, and our Super Bowl window has seemingly closed. You might not think so. I, I'm, 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 pr- I'm pretty darn. I'm pretty darn sure it's closed. Maybe something wild could happen next year. Maybe, but I, I'm. It's, it's. I think it's done. Given those circumstances, which are pretty bleak, I actually think we're doing okay. Let me put it this way: for a team that's forty million over the cap, has an aging quarterback and a closed Super Bowl window, I think Green Bay isn't about as good of a spot as you can be in. Here's why. And I said this the other day. I'm going to reiterate. There's really three avenues for the Packers here, and none of them are that bad. Now, some are better than others, but none of these are a catastrophe. Probably the worst case scenario would be that Rodgers retires. Now, think of the positives that come along with that, right? He's got egg on his face because Jimmy G sent him into retirement. Yikes. The Packers did their job. Rodgers didn't do his job, so he's frustrated and he retires. We will be able to live our lives as Packers fans knowing, hey, it, we didn't shortchange Aaron Rodgers, at least not at the end, right? And all that money comes off the books, which helps for the future. And it makes things clean. It makes things simple. And for legacy reasons, it's cleaner for both sides. It's better for both sides. Now, it sucks because the Packers don't get anything from him, whether it be compensation in a trade or, you know, quarterback play next year. But it's still not the end of the world. I think another possibility would be that they trade him. Now, they lose their MVP quarterback, but it's an amicable breakup, which is good. Very similar to what happened with Stafford and the Lions. I don't think there's any ill will there, right? You get a pile in return, and you start rebuilding your... T- and I don't even want to say rebuild. You get more talent. You get you get more for Rodgers. That's better than New Orleans did for Drew Brees. That's better than Pittsburgh does for Big Ben, who just retired. So losing an aging quarterback, the Packers would be doing it in the best possible way. And the other outcome would be Rodgers stays in Green Bay. And he's the reigning back-to-back MVP. And he's playing at a high level in a winnable division. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl with him. But what the hell? The NFC isn't very good. Who knows? I guess weirder things have happened. So of those three options, there really isn't a catastrophic option here. There's really nothing that bad. And I think Packers fans, your fear is Rodgers leaves one way or another via retirement or through a trade. We're left with Jordan Love, and Jordan Love is bad. Oh, and he's bad. He's not just bad. He's bad. And now we're thinking of the 70s and the 80s. Here we go. The dark ages, 30 years at a time. I don't think that way. I believe Brian Gutekinds to be a very smart GM. And I think the Packers are a very smartly run organization. I think Matt is a very good coach. That doesn't mean they're going to take Jordan Love and make the playoffs next year. That does mean that the Packers are well run enough and smart enough to sit back and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the year with Jordan Love as a starter. Maybe we bring in somebody viable to have a quarterback competition, and I say that in air quotes, but that Jordan loves the guy. Maybe we bring in a, I, I don't know, but bring in Marcus Mariota. Who even cares? And, and he can be a backup. Okay, whatever. So Jordan loves your starter. You go into the year, and one of two things happen. You realize that Jordan Love is good. Awesome. He's your guy. You got your quarterback, right? Adapt thusly. Build your team thusly. Go forward thusly. Or you realize that Jordan Love is mediocre or bad. At that point, you realize, okay, he's not the guy, and we can build our team thusly. Maybe, just maybe, you start thinking, okay, well, what are some aging guys that we can trade? doesn't mean trade everyone. Who are some aging guys that won't be of use to us in a year or two? Maybe Bakhtiari fits that bill. Maybe. Again, I'm not saying they should trade Bakhtiari. I'm just thinking about it. Think of two or three really expensive players that you could then trade. Now, your team is losing games, but the the top of the pay scale, your best players are now Jair Alexander, who's just coming into his prime, Rashawn Gary, who's just coming into his prime, Kenny Clark, who's in his prime, right? Darnell Savage, who's coming into his prime, Eric Stokes, who's coming into his prime. Now, on offense, you'll have some rebuilding to do, but Elton Jenkins is there. 
I love how the Packers draft offensive linemen. If Matt LaFleur is smart, he will make Adam Stenovich his offensive coordinator, pay him as much as possible to keep him. Okay. So now the Packers have offloaded the crap. They've gotten younger. Now the top of their team is fresh. It's new. It's the next wave. You get a bunch in return for Aaron Rodgers, or you lose a bunch of games because Jordan Love sucks, and then you get your next guy, and you rebuild your team. The NFL is designed to help bad teams. So if Jordan Love is bad, fine. That helps you get good again faster. And if Jordan Love is great, all the better. Excellent. Amazing. Awesome. You just keep on going. This isn't that bad. There isn't an outcome that ends with 10 years of losing or 15 years of losing unless the Packers just go completely stupid and they forget how to manage an organization, right? And I don't see that happening. Let's take a break. I see we have some texts. Shoot me a text. Give me a call. 608-796-2558. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. You can vote on the poll there as well. Wisco Sports Show. Talking Packers. More in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We had a poll question for today's show if you want to go vote on it. In the second half of the show, the 5 o'clock hour, I want to talk about some new hires. Vikings got their GM. Bears got their coach. I have some thoughts on both. I think they're both interesting points of conversation. I also want to talk a little bit more about Nathaniel Hackett. He's going to Denver. Tim and Menominee, this is my favorite text of the week. It says, usually you have to win something before your coaching staff gets raided. Somehow the Packers managed to to pull that off. <laughs> that Tim, that made me laugh. Yeah, normally you do have to win something. Like the Chiefs, they lost their was it their VP of football operations, the, the number two to Brett Beach to go be the GM of Chicago. They won some Super Bowls, right? They won a Super Bowl the other year. Made a couple. No, the, the Packers they lose all their coaches and and don't even they don't even make the championship round. They can't beat Jimmy G. Oh, my God. I'm trying to spread some optimism into the offseason. Now, this last weekend, there's no no spreading optimism to that game, and and I won't do it. I said that I'm over this game. It's not weighing me down. Look, I'm going to be clear about this game, though. I mean, that that was a catastrophe. That was a nightmare. That's that's embarrassing. That should be embarrassing for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, especially. He didn't really do anything in that game. And I've heard on other shows, you know, well, if A.J. Dillon doesn't get hurt, okay, but he's your second-string running back. Like, good God, it's the divisional round. You get a two-time, four-time MVP quarterback, two years in a row now MVP. Like, you can't overcome your backup running back getting hurt. Well, you know, if uh, if uh, if just Josiah DeGuard doesn't drop that pass, uh, yeah, okay, okay. You remember when Brett Swain dropped a pass in Super Bowl forty-five and they just overcame it? Or Jordy Nelson dropped a pass? Maybe the most amazing part of that Super Bowl is Aaron Rodgers trusted someone named Brett Swain with the ball. Uh, man, maybe we didn't appreciate that enough at the time. Like, I, I, I hear a lot of hosts, and I see people on social media this week trying to um, trying to rationalize that loss. It's like, nah, there's really, it's bad. It's not as simple as, well, if Kevin King doesn't give up this touchdown, no, there's, there's a lot more to this one. Um, Saturday's game's terrible. I do, however, want to spread some positivity about the off season. And if you'd like to join me to talk about what comes next, or if you want to talk about Saturday too, well, whatever, fair game. We're just talking Packers. Give me a call. 608-796-2558. Oh, I was just about to take your call. Just about to take your call. Why are you hanging up? Why are you hanging up? If you're in line on hold, stay in line. You just got to let me come back for break and kind of set the scene before I come to you. Give me a call back. 608-796-2558. Talking about why this isn't going to be the 70s and the 80s. Or it doesn't need to be the 70s and the 80s. A lot of Packers fans are are scared of that. And you just, you just, you just shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be at all. Josh is in Eau Claire. Josh, happy Friday. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, I just figured I'd give you a shout to see if you'd seen that the Packers coaching staff gets to coach the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I um, you to be honest, that's more embarrassing to me than it is an, an accomplishment. Like, good for Lafleur if if that's something he wants to do. But I saw that and I'm like, uh, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Still <laughs> teams is kind of what I'm really excited to tune in for. Uh, the Pro Bowl. Do you watch the Pro Bowl? The Josh? Pro Bowl special people. No, I don't. It's a glorified scrimmage. I just find it kind of humorous that our uh, our Pro Bowl special teams coach Mo Drayton will be there. Is Unless he... something drastically changes, but the, the yeah. irony there is pretty good. By the way, and I haven't brought this up this week because I thought this was a foregone conclusion, but maybe it's not, and maybe I do have to say it. I thought this goes without saying. Is Mo Drayton sticking around? Why was he not fired the next day? Like, this is bizarre. 
it scares the life out of me. And you're watching some of these other teams, like the Bears are looking at what, the, the guy who served as the Raiders head coach. They're looking at him as a special teams coordinator. Rich Pisaccia, like, why can't yeah. we get some of these guys? Yeah. And then uh, the, the old Bears special teams coach, who seemed like, the Bears always seemed like they had a pretty good special teams unit. He's, I think, going to the Panthers or something. So, like, these guys that are good special teams coordinators that we could bring in to hopefully revive that area of our coaches' room uh, are all signing elsewhere, and we're going to be left with Mo Drayton again, it looks like. Yeah, see, here here's the thing. I, I agree that it's not all in the coach. Like, Isaac Yadam was on Twitter saying, it's on execution, it's not on Mo Drayton. Yeah, but it, but it is a little bit, and I just, I don't want him back. I don't like him. It was a failure from the beginning. It never worked. I never liked what he was saying in press conferences. It never jived with me. Just rip the Band-Aid off, go in a new direction. Even if you don't think it's Mo Drayton's fault, I don't care. He needs to go. Yeah, you need to see improvement, and there was not any improvement. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Well, thank you for bringing up. We needed this, by the way, Josh. I failed to mention this, and I appreciate you calling in and reminding us that, yes, we will be well-represented in the Pro Bowl. Thank God. Yeah, uh, all right, thanks. Yeah, have a good night. That's Josh in Eau Claire, the freaking Pro Bowl. I saw that announcement today. Titans fans have got to be feeling the same way because Mike Vrabel's coaching the AFC, or do they draft teams? You know what? I don't care. Why am I asking? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Let's talk about the offseason. Matt LaFleur will have a little time uh, to coach the Pro Bowl, and then we'll get on to the offseason. Matt LaFleur. I mean, of all the people to blame for this season coming up short going into next year, you get, Brian Gutekind is last on the list, right? Like, you would blame Rodgers, maybe blame the receiving. I don't even want to blame the receiving core. I'd blame Rodgers. I'd blame the special teams. Maybe a little bit of Matt LaFleur just because it's three times this has happened now. Some of that has to at least fall on the head coach, obviously. Um, you could probably blame the guy who runs the sledding hill in Titletown. And then at the very bottom of the list, after you get to everyone else, you can get to Brian Gutekinst, who did a great job this year, putting together a roster that would have been impressive if it came together not under salary cap constraints. And it did. He put together an amazing roster under salary cap constraints and then kept it going into the season, brought in Rasul Douglas, Whitney Merciless, found these guys in the middle of the season. This is the guy that's in charge of things moving forward. This is the guy pulling the strings and pushing the buttons with this draft, with how they handle things this offseason. That's something to be optimistic about, Packers fans. Let's let's keep a little keep a little optimism. This isn't the 80s when, well, I don't know who was running the team in the 80s, but they were obviously a bozo. Chad is in Sun Prairie. Chad, welcome to the show. What's up? Lindy Infante. There you go. Thank you. Lindy Infante. That's, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, that, that was, and Forrest Gregg, I think, was in there. You had uh, Bart Starr for a little bit of it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, they were playing games in Milwaukee, too, right? They were moving around. And, like, nothing about the 70s and the 80s was good. It's not like it, the, the organization was ran well and the football just couldn't get off the ground. It was all a mess. Yeah, I mean, it was partly. Yeah. I mean, free agency definitely changed those things. For sure. Because, remember, until, until that point, it was hard to get anybody to come to Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Reggie White and free agency changed all that for sure, yeah. I mean, at the time Reggie White was signed, he was the biggest free agent in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Oh God, that was electric. I wish I would have been around for that. That was like the first. That was like the first time LeBron you changed negative, teams. You were negative five years in your father's. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was a good place to end that. It's a good place to end that sentence, Chad. What do you think about the off season? How are you feeling now? It's been five days since that loss. Well, I mean, I'm really optimistic that my Badgers are going to let me down and not make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, the Brewers are poised to, you know, throw really well uh, on the mound and then suck at the plate again. Yeah. Um, what else? Can uh, The Olympics, I think they're, the Winter Olympics are coming up. We can watch that. That they are. We can get, we can get, get excited to, for that. I don't get to watch my pro hockey players play because, you know, NHL. It's are, more worried about a product on the ice sure. in America. Yeah. America Which first, right, Chad? America first. Our sports first. Uh, dollars first. That dollars. too. That too. All the players, the play, well, the sad part is, is the players wanted it and the fans wanted to see it. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't understand. Batman is the worst. Uh, if he didn't have Goodell just being this, like, big godfather, and kind of just doing what he wanted to, Batman would be easily the worst commissioner in pro sports. Well, we got Rob Manfred, too. Don't forget about him. 
Memphis is actually pretty decent. Oh. Like some of the moves and things he's done to them. Really? Oh, you really don't agree? No. Really? What do you disagree in? Well, I mean, I, I, I guess a lot of things. I, I didn't really want to turn this into a baseball show. I mean, they're in a lockout right now. And good job to, of a commissioner to avoid labor stoppages. That would be ideal, first and foremost. So remember, like nobody could bumble as bad as Ceiling did. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, maybe it's just a baseball thing. Maybe whoever the commissioner of baseball is, Ceiling did good things, though. I just, I don't know. I've never been impressed with Rob Manfred. Uh, it's interesting. Interesting take. I, I mean, I just, I've never been a Bud Seeley guy, and I'm a diehard Brewers fan. Like, literally, he did a lot to the Brewers. He was the reason they never left, but as a commissioner, like, he kind of bumbled a few things. Yeah. The Marshall Report, for instance, like, they should have just said, going forward, we're going to be clean, and instead they kind of, now, because of it, we, this week, we got Poppy, in the Hall of Fame, who tested positive, but allegedly didn't test positive because they should have never released the report. Yeah. And then you got people not in there, like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, which, again, who cares? They still had to throw and hit the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, and, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Chad, on this. I'm, I'm pro Bonds in the Hall of Fame. You don't need to convince me. Okay, what about, what about Pete Rhodes? I mean, obviously, uh, neither of us were alive when he played. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's one of the best players ever. Yeah, put him in. That's what the Hall of Fame's for. Wait, wait, wait. Don't overthink this. Take three seconds to think about it. It shouldn't be hard. We're, we shouldn't be overthinking this. Well, the humor in it is that he did it as a coach. He wasn't even a player when he was doing that. Who cares? Like, yeah. we weren't putting him in the Hall as a coach. He was pretty putrid. Yeah. So, and wasn't it even, like, triple uh, A games? It wasn't even pro games? Yeah, see, I, I don't know. And this is where I feel like this conversation has to come to a natural end. I, I do have one thing I want to say on Barry Bonds. And for that, I appreciate you, Chad, for putting this up on the tee. But I, I got to let you go. I got to get to a break and then to Mike Clements. You're good. You're good. <laughs> have a good night, Chad. Thanks for the call. You too. Chad in Sun Prairie. I, I'm glad you brought up the Hall of Fame really quickly, and then we'll get back to the Packers. I was at the – I said this to start the show, but I was at the Loggers – uh, winter baseball barbecue event last night. They do it every January. And, you know, you hear from college coaches and lacrosse and you hear from lacrosse baseball hall of fame and the new inductees. And it's a really cool celebration of baseball. And last night, the keynote speaker was Craig council and Damian Miller. And then they were interviewed by Ben Kapanke and, and a couple of people in the loggers organization. And they were asked the best player they played against in their playing days. They laughed the question off. They laughed at it. It was a joke. Like, they didn't even take the question seriously. They said it was Bonds, which to me was really, really interesting. They said it was Bonds in a tier by himself completely, and then it was, you know, whoever was next, and it wasn't close. I don't know. When you have players that answer, they laugh off questions about the best player they played with. They say, oh, it's Bonds. That dude should probably be in the Hall of Fame. He probably is. No, he absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. And I didn't need to do this whole segment on baseball this week just because... It's baseball. We got NFL stuff to talk about. We got the Packers and their future to talk about. But seeing Chad brought it up, I just thought I'd share that. I thought that was very interesting. Pretty big ringing endorsement for Barry Bonds last night for two people that won a World Series and Damian Miller and Craig Council. But then obviously Craig's still in baseball and, and very involved with the league and with the sport and obviously with the Brewers now to this day. Let's take a break. We'll get an update from Mike Clemens. Keep talking Packers. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Innate charisma and captivation and cadence and tone and delivery. I've been saying it for years. Those are those are the biggest traits to being a radio host as well. All of those big fancy words. Absolutely. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, thank you for a great playoff game and excellent press conferences as always. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Taking some calls and texts on, well, we were talking about the Packers, but then I I don't even know if Chad was listening. I think Chad just wanted to call in. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, the talk and text line has come to put Chad in his cancel culture casket for his comments about <laughs> First comments about Rob Manfred. They, they were positive. Schmidt on the north side says Manfred is donkey ass. Duck and Holman says, did I just hear a positive Manfred comment? I must be having residuals from, from his hippie days. 
<laughs> I, I love this show. If I didn't have all you guys, I don't know what I'd do. I don't have any friends. This is where I get my social time for the day. Sean is on the, uh, not on the talk and text line, but on the phone. Sean, happy Friday. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, Grant? We talked last week. I was talking about the Bosa High School bleacher oh, yeah. incident. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. So it starts with Bosa on a bleacher, and now my Packers are going to be terrible for the next decade. What happened? Do you think it's because he pissed on a bleacher, or do you think, what do you think happened? Because sh- there's no way they should have lost that game. Like, there must be some kind of dark magic or bad karma or something. Maybe it was the, the peeing incident. I think I think the bleacher started it all, and now I have no idea what's going to happen in the offseason. Even if we get Aaron and Devontae back, which is a huge if, mm-hmm. our defense is, is not going to be any better and, and most likely worse. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, what, what we do from here. And if we lose Aaron, I have no faith in Jordan Love's decision-making. So yeah. this is going to be an interesting ride. You know, Thank you, Sean, by the way, and I'm glad that you brought up the, the peeing incident once again because that was kind of, it had to come full circle, I believe, from last week. Have a good night, man. Thanks for the call. Okay. Yeah, you as well. That's that's Sean. Thank you, Sean. Um, what, was, what was I about to say? We were talking about, oh, Jordan Love. Sean doesn't have any faith in Jordan Love's decision-making. That's okay. That's okay. Here's why. You throw Jordan Love in the pool. Maybe a trade for Marcus Mariota just for fun. Just get a good quarterback competition. Why not? Get a solid backup in case Jordan Love gets hurt. Whatever. Throw him in the pool like John Wayne threw that kid in the river. I don't even remember what movie it was in. He's like, you're four years or you're eight years old. You don't know how to swim. Here, picks him up by the belt and throws him in. Just throw Jordan Love in the river. Okay? Throw him in. He will either be very, very good and give you confidence that he can win moving forward, which would be nice, or he's going to be terrible. And then if you know he's terrible, you know. You can trade away some of your high-priced older players, get younger, start the next wave of players, and then you can start planning for how to get the guy to replace Jordan Love after next year or the year after. Really quickly, uh, I believe this is David on the phone. David, we only got about two minutes. We got time. What's going on? Well, we should have done the exorcism. Yeah. We should have brought in the witch doctor. I'm a little disappointed in you. I dropped the ball there. But we needed to exorcise those demons. We didn't do it. And special teams, I don't know, did you bring in the priest? No, I didn't even reach out. And it, I should have because it's it's a, like we were talking about emailing, not the Vatican, but the, the diocese. It's it's kind of a mellow year for them. They just got done with Christmas. We got a ways until Lent, so it would have been a good time. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like I dropped the ball on that, and I'm sorry. I, I think it's well, just the anyway, Packers. Anyway, you're off. You're off the ledge, right? Yeah. You're, you're no longer on the ledge oh, yeah. that you were on on Monday? Oh, yeah, for sure. Easily. It, it wasn't all his fault. Well. And I don't know. I mean, I can't decide my in my own mind whether it's better to have him come back or better to get a boatload of draft picks. If there's a bidding war for Rodgers, that could set us up for the next decade. Uh, do you remember the big trade for the running back from Minnesota going to Dallas? Uh, which which one? Uh, was the kid from Georgia, Herschel Walker? Oh, yep, yep, went, yep. Um, that set up Dallas. That trade where they got a couple of firsts, couple of seconds. That set up Dallas for the next decade. Look it up. All right, I'm all about it. I I think they they bring him back. He's an MVP quarterback. That's good. Or they trade him and get a bunch. There's not really a horrendous option here. David, we got to take a break in about 40 seconds. So I'm gonna let no you go. Bye. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Bye. Yeah, you have a good weekend as well. Thank you, David. And I'm sorry, the Herschel Walker trade. I thought you were talking about Minnesota trading a running back to Dallas. I was like, they didn't trade Adrian. Where did Adrian Peterson go? I was so so sorry. I didn't connect on that. Yeah, maybe it's better to get out a year earlier than you'd like for the sake of getting a little draft capital back. No, they're not going to win a Super Bowl with them. If they didn't do it this year, I just don't think it's going to happen. And maybe it's just because they're the Packers and they just get in their own way. Maybe it is an, an exorcism thing because other teams don't lose like this for 10 straight years. You have to try to lose like this for 10 straight years. You know what I mean? So maybe it's just the Packers and Rodgers and this is combination and they need to kill this combo and start working on the next one. And if Jordan Love's not the answer, that's fine. That doesn't mean they're going to suck for 30 years. Let's all get off of that ledge. Like David told me to get off the ledge on Monday, although it was mostly Aaron Rodgers' fault. I, I'm still firmly in belief of that. Let's take a break. Get an update from Zach Heilprin. Back in two minutes.
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Text and call if you want to chat. 608-796-2558. Twitter is at Wisco Grant. Nathaniel Hackett is out of town. He's in Denver. He's going to be the next head coach of the Broncos. So we talked a little bit about that. Luke Getze has been offered the offensive coordinator position under the new Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus. General manager Ryan Poles. The Vikings have hired Kwasi Adolfo Mensa. That's going to take a little practice, but I think I got it down. I wrote the phonetic pronunciation down. I guess it would be phonetic, uh, phonetic spelling, not pronunciation. Whatever. Vikings are still looking for their head coach. I want to talk about some of these hires and obviously tied in with the Packers because this is going to be the division that the Packers, if they want to continue to make the playoffs, even without Aaron Rodgers, they need to continue to best the Vikings, the Bears, and I guess the Lions, which is the team we really haven't talked about at all since the regular season wrapped up, which I guess makes sense. They haven't hired or fired anyone. They didn't make the postseason. They haven't really been up to anything since the regular season ended. I want to talk a little bit about the Vikes first. A couple things I want to say. Kwasi Udofo Mensa, really trying. There's so much unknown about a lot of first-time GM hires. You're taking a scout. You're taking someone from a front office. You're taking a VP of football operations. You're taking someone who holds a position of importance from a place that you hold in high regard. So from Kansas City, from this place or that place, there was a study or an article rather. It was published by Kevin Clark. This is in the ringer a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about it. And in this article, he cited a, uh, a study that was all of the GM hires of the last X number of years or whatever. And 70% of those hires were former scouts And 70% of those scouts came from teams that had won the Super Bowl in the last X number of years. So most of the time, teams who are hiring GMs are hiring someone who's involved in scouting, and they're hiring them from a team that won the Super Bowl. Now, that fits the bill with Ryan Poles and the Bears, who the Vikings were also interested in. I actually think that was the Vikings' preferred candidate, but it didn't work out. He didn't leave Chicago for a second interview to Minnesota, so they end up with Udofa Mensa instead. There's so much unknown about first-time GM hires. You're taking someone who you like from a place you like and hoping that he sticks the landing and that it works out and it fits and it gets off the ground. I love this guy's background, Udofa Mensa. Went to Princeton, played basketball, studied econ, went to Stanford, worked as a day trader. He's only been in the NFL for nine years. And that does seem like a long time, but it's not for someone who just got hired as an NFL GM. Most of these guys are lifers. They start by scouting players down in Lafayette, Louisiana, work their way up in a scouting department, right? And slowly but surely climb and you get to know everyone in the NFL. This guy's been in the NFL for nine years, right? And I see a lot of Vikings fans that are concerned that he's not a football guy. Talked to a coworker yesterday. He's like, yeah, he seems really smart. I just, I, I hope he's got enough football acumen. Here's the thing. There are a lot of Football guys, in air quotes, who are terrible GMs. (laughs) There are a lot of guys who build their their case, who build their reputation and their resume on being a football guy. I'd say Dave Gettleman in New York was one who was just retired, quote-unquote. The Giants were going to fire him. They gave him a chance to retire. I don't know why, because he was terrible. That was a football guy, and he was bad. There's a lot of guys who are hired as football guys from a scouting perspective or even as a former coach, a former player. Football guys that don't work out. Most GMs don't work out. Most hirings are really bad. They don't last very long. There are a lot of football guys who are terrible at being a GM. I don't think being a football guy is a precursor to being a successful GM. Think outside the box a little bit. Think outside the box. The criticism is that Odofa Mensa isn't some expert on player evaluation or this, that, or the other thing. He, in interviews, has actually spoke on that like it's an advantage. Here he is talking about his lack of football acumen, of which he has plenty, but maybe less experience than some other guys who would be up for a GM job. This is him talking about his quote-unquote lack of acumen, and I think this is perfectly stated. Um, about my ability to be a football evaluator, look, I I came up unconventionally, um, but I think that my, my background was a positive because I didn't have any preconceived notions or bias. So when I sat in a room with about great evaluators that I've been around in San Francisco. I just took everything they, they, they told me. I tried to find the intuition behind it. I ask why a lot. You'll, you'll find that about me. I, I want to know why. even the most simple question. You might think it's simple. I'm building 
kind of the complex bridge that'll get me some somewhere complex. And so I got to be around some incredible people and I'm not going to go on the epic shout out like I did in my, my first quote, but uh, just there's some incredible evaluators I've been around and I've asked them how they saw the game and it, it's kind of shaped how I've saw, seen the game. I've got friends in the league that, you know, are, are talented. Again, I, I will pick every person's brain and you find some amazing knowledge from everywhere in this league. So I would say that that's where my evaluation base comes from. And then second, the job of the job, my job isn't necessarily going to be to say that this guy is, you know, necessarily a more talented player. We have other people to do that in that, this building. My job is going to be another person who knows enough about everybody's kind of point of view to come together and make a good decision. And that's where I see my, my role. And that's where I see my, a lot of my value. Um, I have my perspective and I'll bring that to the table, but I also have an appreciation for everybody else's perspective, not only for my time in San Francisco, um, but also my time as a trader. To be honest, there's a lot of people who win a lot of different ways and you, you come to appreciate that. At the end of the day, you're just trying to make better decisions. Um, and that's that's kind of the basis of where I'll approach this job from. So, first of all, isn't that brilliant, right? Saying, well, I'm, I'm not maybe the expert on some things that others are, but that's an advantage because I'm always having an open mind. I'm always deferring to people who may know more and I'm always learning. I think people that have this mindset do really well in life. Um, I can think of two examples. And these aren't examples that I prepped. Um, I, I don't have any notes written down on this. I played this clip, and these were two things I thought of. That was a minute 37 left, or a minute 37 long. That clip was, and I thought of two examples. One, I was watching an interview the other night um, with Jason Alexander. It was the Archive of American Television. And he's talking about Larry David. Because I've been on a curb kick a little bit, and I've just been, I've just been intrigued by Larry David and kind of the process with which he creates and... George's character on Seinfeld was just kind of modeled. It, well, that was that was Larry, right? He was writing himself in all of those situations, including when he was a writer on Saturday Night Live, cusses everyone out, quits, and then realizes, oh, my God, what have I done? And then just goes into work on Monday. I was kidding. I was kidding, which is what George does with the Yankees and Seinfeld, right? So that plays out in the show. But Jason Alexander was talking about Larry David as this individual who had two sides to him. One side was abrasive and cocky and confident and truly believed that everything that he said and did was right and you couldn't tell him otherwise. He had the utmost confidence and belief in himself. But on the other hand, always like self-deprecating. All like like those two things aren't supposed to coexist, right? So you need to have the utmost confidence in your ability to pull something off, to execute something, to know something, but on the other hand also uh, do, do I know this? Actually, I'm, I'm not sure. Is that, is, that, is that a thing? Right? You need to be willing to learn and listen to others while also believing in yourself. And I think Adolfo Mensa maybe fits that bill. It made me think of Larry David a little bit. I also have a friend who moved to Montana, and I went to visit him. I go to visit him in the summers. He moved out there to work at a fly shop. He moved out there as a seasoned fly fisherman enough, but moving to a brand new area of the country, different water, different equipment, different fish, different different everything, right? So me and him, we would fly fish together in high school and in our college years, but once you get out there, it's a different world. And he just moved out there, was working at a shop, and has to learn all of this for the first time. And when I've gone out and visited him and all of the other people that work at the shop, there's probably, I don't know, 20, 30, maybe 40 tops people that work there. It's, it's a big outfit. It's probably, it's I think it's the biggest on this river. And it was interesting hanging out with my buddy and then interacting with all of the other people who worked at this shop because they come from all over the country and there's a bunch of them from the twin cities. And there's, a, there was, there was someone from, I don't know if it was Edina or Minnetonka. I think there was someone from Hudson and I love these places. Well, I've never been to Edina or Minnetonka. I've been to Hudson plenty of times. I like Hudson, but the issue is when you, when you get, when you, when you meet young people who are from really rich suburbs, they kind of carry themselves a little differently. They carry, they carry themselves in a way where I am better. I know what's going on. I am an expert. Don't tell me what to do. So when I am, like we went out to the bar or whatever, and I got to meet a bunch of his coworkers, I'm just the observant person that I am. I'm watching all of these people, and I'm thinking, okay, so my buddy thinks he's an idiot, and he would tell you that. We're very similar in that way, right? He thinks, I don't know anything. I'm the new guy out here. I'm here to learn. I'm here to soak it all in. When in truth, he knows more about fly fishing than 98% of people on the planet. Right. But that combination of mindsets where 
You're always trying to learn. You're always admitting that you don't know things. You're always trying to get better and listening to experts, right? That's, that's, that's how you succeed. And I'm looking at his coworkers and realizing, okay, that guy thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's not going to get anywhere because he's never going to learn. He's stuck in his mindset. And every time I go out there to visit and I hang out at the shop and I get to see his coworkers and we go fishing, I think, okay, if my buddy lives out here for any length of time, he's going to be one of the people running this river before too long. Because he's got the perfect mindset for it. It's the learning mindset, the mindset of, I don't know anything. And I'm always trying to learn. I have an open mind. When in truth, he knows a ton, right? But you don't carry yourself that way. You don't act that way. That's what, that's what I think of when I listen to this Vikings GM speak. Someone who's brilliant, who went to Stanford, who went to Princeton, who's, who was a day trader, right? But still carries himself with this attitude of, oh, I don't know. I'm just here to learn. That, that is a wicked dangerous combination. That's how you succeed. That was Larry David. That's my buddy who lives out west. That's what I think of the Vikings GM as well. Um, and I think it's a pretty cool combination. If I was a Vikings fan, I'd feel pretty good about it. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up talking about the new Bears head coach. I have a couple of thoughts, and then we'll say goodbye for the week. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The other thing about Larry that was so remarkable to me, I'd never seen anybody balance these things, was... Larry carried, I don't know if he still does, but carried both an incredible sense of worthlessness, that he was just a horrible, useless, untalented, unattractive human being, alongside the most overinflated ego, that everything he said and did was of the utmost importance and significance and value, and that everything else was diminished in comparison. But those two things were side by side in the same package. So he could be declarative and abrasive in one second and then turn around and go, too much? Okay. I'm an idiot. That's Jason Alexander. That's what I was talking about. I found the clip. That's a really good balance of things to have, right? Confidence in yourself. You know that you're smart and you know that you're worthwhile, but also like you kind of need to think you're an idiot. Because you need to be willing to learn and listen to others. That's what I think of when I think of this new Vikings GM. Went to Princeton, went to Stanford, worked as a day trader. He's brilliant. But on the other hand, in interviews, I listen to him. He's like, well, I'm trying to learn all the time. That's why the NFL is so great. All these experts. And I go in with an open mind and I can talk to all these people and better myself. That's a great combination. I thought of Larry David, a couple of other examples. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes. I wanted to talk briefly about... The new Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus, he came from the Colts, defensive coordinator under Frank Reich. Because it's a divisional rival of the Packers, but also because he's trying to poach Luke Getze as his offensive coordinator, which is significant. Because with a young quarterback in Justin Fields and an offense that really couldn't get off the ground under Matt Nagy ever, but especially under Justin Fields this season, the offensive coordinator position is now paramount because the Bears hiring a defensive-minded head coach, you got to nail the O.C., That's a tough needle to thread. You both, hiring a defensive-minded head coach, you both need a coach that will connect with the quarterback. And I doubt that Eberflus will have an issue with that. He worked under Frank Reich, who was probably the reason Carson Wentz played so well and was going to win an MVP and maybe a Super Bowl. And then he worked with Nick Foles, gets the head coaching job. He's seen a head coach connect with a quarterback before. I don't think Eberflus will struggle with that. I also don't think he'll struggle to get an offensive coordinator. Because Eberflus has been through the hiring cycle before. He understands how this game is played. He's probably, in his mind, the last couple of years, been picturing, if I were to get a job, how would I assemble my staff? Luke Etsy is obviously someone he really wants. Also, he's a name who's reputable. If you come off the Frank Reich tree, quote-unquote, there's prestige there, right? There, there's a resume there. He's done things and won games with quarterbacks that are far from superstars, like Carson Wentz both in Philly and in Indy, Jacoby Brissett, right? Whoever, Philip Rivers, aging Philip Rivers. If I'm an offensive coordinator, I might not want to go work for Mike Zimmer. A little abrasive, quick to throw me under the bus. I think I'm going to be a little bit more willing to go work for, absolutely, to go work for a guy like Matt Eberflus. Has it figured out? Stable situation. He comes from a situation where he's, he's seen this. He will be able to connect with the quarterback which is something Zimmer could never do. I don't know if Nagy could or couldn't. I I don't know. I still don't know what happened with Nagy. It's a very weird situation. 
I think the Bears are going to be okay with Eberflus. I'm surprised they went defensive, but then again, that's typical what the Bears do. But if they were going to go defensive, I, I think they made a good choice. Have an excellent weekend. I'm going to do some ice fishing. I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll be back on Monday to talk about the championship round and whatever's going on next with the Packers. Talk to you then. Wasting.